The information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is not to be taken as financial or personal advice. It does not consider your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether this information is suitable for you and your personal circumstances before acting on it. Hi, and welcome to The Home Run, your guide to buying your first home in Australia. On this show, I'll walk you through the home buying process from every angle. We cover the steps to take, the pitfalls to avoid, and the answers to all your questions you've been dying to ask. No matter what stage you're at, you'll learn everything you need to know about buying your first home. I'm your host, Michael Nasser, and I'm a mortgage broker at Lens Street. And I really love helping people buy their first home. Today, we're speaking to Mario Mazio. Mario is a real estate agent at Coburn Hayson in Sydney's Inner West. Mario has been a real estate agent for over 14 years. And on today's episode, he'll walk you through a few things you need to know about buying your first property. You'll hear what a real estate agent is, what a first home buyer needs to know when working with an agent, and a few tips he's learned over his long career. Let's jump in. So I guess getting started, tell us a bit about how you got to where you are today and and I guess what you're doing. So I've been in real estate now for about 14 years. It wasn't my initial job. I was with the airline industry and was made redundant and then got into real estate. I was approached by a local agent who said, oh, you'd be great in real estate. I love real estate and I enjoy talking to people. So uh, that's how I I got into it. And that was like 14 years ago and I, I love what I do now. With real estate, what, what is it about it that you love? What are those elements that you really enjoy about it? The biggest thing for me is just achieving the result when I'm selling a property okay. for the people. A lot of them are downsizing. It could be their superannuation fund. And I just love helping people. We are obviously dealing here with a lot of first home buyers and we speak to a lot of first home buyers. And I guess when you speak to a real estate agent, what happens is a real estate agent is working for the vendor. The term vendor and purchaser, what do they actually mean? So vendor is the person that, uh, the people that are selling the property. Purchaser is obviously the people buying the property. So as a real estate agent, you're working for the... Essentially, I'm working for the vendor, the person selling the property, but I'm also looking after the purchaser. So negotiating a, a happy medium. And I think that's the important thing to, to, to distinguish here. It's the fact that you are working for the vendor who's selling the house, but you obviously have an interest in the purchaser as well. Of course. And so you, right. you're looking after their interests as well. All right. So let's get really down to basics here uh, and let's look at what actually is a real estate agent. I mean, I know we use the term a lot and I think it's inferred what we know and, and what it is, but ultimately what is a real estate agent? So I suppose the simplest way is that you're a licensed professional who's uh, engaged by the vendor or the person selling the property to sell their property and negotiate for them also. We've obviously established that that real estate agent is there to sell the property. So what would the different methods of selling be? So the two different methods, auction or for sale. So with with auction, you're basically, you're looking at average probably around four-week campaign at the moment with the auction on the fourth week. And if a property is for sale, well, that's basically, it'll have a price or a price guide on there and you negotiate on the price. And and that can end up going from anything from, you know, four weeks up to two to three months depending on the, on the price if the vendor is realistic with the price. You said campaign. What's a sales campaign and what's an auction campaign? So like? basically a campaign is when you're, you're advertising the property on realestate.com, domain.com, all your internet sites and also you have a sign board. 
but you did mention private treaty as well. So what, what's the main difference between an auction and, and a private treaty sale? So with private treaty, that, that is where it's just basically a price is put on there for sale and then you negotiate on that price. Whereas yeah. auction, you've got an end date. It's usually a four-week campaign with an auction on the fourth week. Obviously, every state's different. We're, we're based in Sydney. Uh, Sydney's very auction-dominated, I think, as sales. So in terms of the listings that you see and the listings that you're putting to market, are you finding that it's more auction or it's more private treaty? The way the market is now, it's almost, I would say, probably about 98% auction. Very rarely will a vendor call and say, oh, I want to put it for sale. Because the, the market is so heated, yep. uh, auction is definitely the way to go. And it's it's the clearest and, and best way, I, I think, yeah. Best for the vendor, not necessarily for the purchaser, or do you well, think best for all parties? Look, I think it's best for all parties because you know where it all is, where everyone is, whereas the other way, you just don't know whether the agent is favouring someone else they know if it's for sale, where it's all, all above board and, and you can just see who you're bidding against. I guess there is that transparency in an auction forum where you can actually totally. see the person that you're bidding against, whereas that private treaty is a little bit more disguised. Can you give me some examples of, of maybe a recent private treaty sale and what that looked like and how that occurred? And So what happened? So I had one recently because the market is so heated, it does make it complicated because you're getting an offer then I've got to go back to everyone that I've issued a contract to to say, look, I am going to be selling this. And then what happened was I got an increased offer from someone else. So it really became an auction without having the auction. And, yeah, it doesn't end up well. doesn't end up well. It's always a party that's a little bit aggrieved. It's like, that's why didn't right. you tell me this or why didn't you that's tell me right. that before? And, and, and we don't disclose the price the other parties at because okay. it just what they can do is they're just coming $1,000 above. So you just – give them a guide but you really the way the market is at the moment it's just your auction is definitely the the most transparent way so i guess if you're talking to a first home buyer or you've got a listing and a first home buyer is coming through it or or is calling up to speak about a private treaty sale what what sort of tips or advice would you have for the first home buyer that's going to engage in a private treaty and i've just helped a couple of people recently with private treaty what i told them to do was just approach the agent give them a signed contract at the price they were comfortable with with a, a 66W, so a waiver of a cooling off with a check for the deposit because then the agent has to present that to the vendor and that does carry a lot of weight. At what point does the agent need to disclose to the vendor an offer? To disclose it to the vendor, we need it in writing, either in writing as a, an email or on a contract. And I guess the contract just makes it a lot more. It carries uh, a lot more weight. A lot more weight. Yeah, that's right, exactly. You did mention a 66W, which is very much a conveyancer slash solicitor question. What is a 66W and how does it work? So that, that waves your cooling off period. So if, if you're buying a property and it's for sale, you would usually exchange on a five-day cooling off at 0.25% deposit. What a 66W does is waves that cooling off. So there is no cooling off. So as a purchaser, you have to ensure that you have your finances ready and you, you have to understand that there's no pulling out. You put down the 10% and it's unconditional. So that's a private treaty, I, I mm. guess. And that's uh, they, I guess we know that as sales by negotiation ultimately. If we flip over to an auction now, I know we've discussed uh, already at this particular point what the campaign looks like, which is the four-week period. But the auction process itself on auction day, what does that look like? So basically uh, during the campaign, people obviously are coming through to inspect the property. If they, they're interested, they'll ask for a contract to review. Then prior to auction, usually the week leading up to the auction, we'll get a reserve from the vendor for the auction day 
And then basically on auction day, it just goes to auction. If the property doesn't reach reserve, then we would pass the property in. If it goes above reserve, well, yeah, then it's sold. And I guess on the auction day itself, so you mentioned the term reserve. I guess that a reserve is a pretty important concept to grasp and understand for, for a first home buyer. What, what is the reserve? So the reserve is the price that the, the vendor is happy to sell at. How does the vendor come up with that particular price? So during the campaign, what happens is uh, we, we will keep the vendor up to date with buyer feedback, with prices that the buyers are talking about. So what happens is in setting the reserve, the agent sits down with the vendor and says, look, this is the feedback we've been getting. What are you comfortable with? And it's usually within the guide of what uh, buyers are, are indicating. What they can do at times is set it just slightly above. Now, you also mentioned with the reserve that if, if auction day does come, obviously, if the price, that reserve price isn't met, what happens in that instance? So if it's not met, what happens is we pass a property in and then we negotiate with the highest bidder first. If we don't get a sale there, then we will go to the other parties that had registered and negotiate with them. So in saying that, if you're a first home buyer and you're looking to purchase a property at auction and you're bidding and it hasn't gotten to that reserve point, there is, I guess, some merit in being the highest bidder at that particular instance. That's correct. Yes, that's right. You've got the first right of refusal to negotiate with the vendor. Okay, so you have that first option. If that uh, negotiation doesn't work, then it goes back to the market? Yeah, so basically, and if, if that doesn't work, what happens is on the Monday, we put a for sale price on there. And it's, it's for sale. Now, if it goes over reserve, at what point in the auction does the purchaser know or the purchasers, potential purchasers know that the reserve has been met? So the auctioneer will indicate, he will say we're, we're at, at a point where we're selling. So we, we are selling. The property is on the market. So that's when you know it's, we've gone over reserve. And I guess that's that's the term to sort of keep an eye out for when you're in that particular environment. The auctioneer will make it pretty well known that it's yeah. on the market. You know, they generally use terms like we're playing for keeps, things yeah. things of that nature. That So I'm not an auctioneer myself, but I think that's the sort of thing that does happen. Yeah, at that moment. So it's exactly, clearly known. It is. Yeah, that's right. He makes it clear. Let's say you are at auction and you are successful. You're the highest bidder and it's reserves been met. What happens at that instance? If reserve has met and it's been sold, so what happens is you'll come in we basically fill in the front page of the contract and we then date the contract and then you give us the deposit, whether it's been agreed 5% or 10%, and we exchange the property. It's exchanged okay. unconditionally. And, okay. And that's and the 66W is obviously signed as part of that. So there's no need to sign it okay. at auction. There's no need to sign a 66W. That's issued prior to auction if you're going to – Okay, so it's, uh, if you're if you're purchasing in an auction uh, environment, uh, then that's a part of the sale process. It is that's right. So exactly. you do waive your cooling off. You period. do waive your cooling off. Whereas with a private treaty, if it's not provided, the standard uh, cooling off you, you'd mentioned was five days. The standard is five days. We are seeing some being extended at the moment because banks are taking longer for approvals. Yep. So it it can be anything you know up to ten or fifteen days. You mentioned an auctioneer. So I guess for for, for a first home buyer, I mean. An auctioneer is different to the real estate agent or how does that particular – Yeah, so the auctioneer is the person that conducts the auction. Uh, he'll be the person out the front taking the bids and, and trying to get more bids from buyers. Understood. And I guess that auction process, obviously Sydney orientated, very much the focus in terms of the sales campaigns or strategies that are used. Uh, what tips would you have for a first home buyer that's attending an auction for the first time? Yeah, look, the, I, I say, look, just sit back because the, the whole idea for the purchaser – 
is to try and slow down the auction as a purchaser. Set your limit of what you want to go to and if it's under your limit and they're saying that, you know, it's on the market, then start bidding. Or if you see there's no more bids and you want to be the highest bidder and have first uh, right of refusal to negotiate, then bid then. But just hold back. The whole idea for the purchaser is to try and slow it down. To slow it down, whereas the auctioneer is trying to speed it up. Exactly right. That's right. So if you're a first-home buyer, you're attending the auction, would you say to be the first bidder? Is there any sort of advice in terms of to be the first or to come in when, you know, when it's, you know, going once, going twice? No, yeah, look, I I would hold back, especially first-home buyer. When you do bid, you never say, oh, okay, 5000 that's my last bid. That's the worst thing to do because you're telling the underbidders, you're not going to go any higher. So just go in strong when you go in, even if it's only by 1000 but just act as if you've got plenty in the tank yeah. and just go in strong when you do go in. And when the other person bids, it's, if it's still within your range, bid straight back. Yeah. Don't hold back. I mean, auction's a bit, a bit of street theatre as well, isn't it? it so is. you kind of have to, you have to play the part and, and, and not show your cards, almost like a game of poker. It is. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I guess, again, for first home buyers in general now, and I guess looking at the whole property transaction, what other overall tips would you have for a first home buyer? Look, do your research. Obviously, get your finance organised prior, and then you're just going to have to do the groundwork just to go to the properties. But you've got to be at the auctions. Like I, I heard a, a story the other day where someone said to me, oh, I missed out on this property and, and they thought it was going to go a lot higher because another one in the, in the block went a lot higher two weeks earlier and this person didn't go to the auction and it put a lot of buyers off and because it put a lot of buyers off, buyers didn't go and ended up being a great buy and on this current market. So you just got to be there. You got really to win it. You, you do, you yeah. do, yeah. And in terms of, again, that first home buyer, at what point would you advise a first home buyer to make an offer? Yeah, look, after the first inspection, the agent will always want to at least have uh, – yeah, the first inspection, see what buyers he gets through. He'll do callbacks, he'll call buyers back, see where what level they're at and then you can sort of gauge from there, just say, look, what sort of feedback, buy feedback have you had? Where do I need to be at to be able to buy the property? Have you had any recent experiences with a first home buyer? Yeah, I, I did. I sold a, a studio, in a little studio in Annandale for 385000 That was a first home buyer. But, yeah, I guided him through the process. And I guess in that process, do you remember what was he like in that experience and what sort of things was he asking you? Well, he yeah, he, he just wanted to know how much deposit he had to put down, which I explained to him it was 0.25% of the purchase price. And then, you know, how, how long did he have for a cooling off? I told him it was five days. That ended up extending to 10 days. Uh, okay, so I guess if we look at that that transaction then, so 0.25%, is that like an expression of interest or what does that 0.25% represent? So what, what that does, that ties down the vendor at that price and it also ties you down for the cooling off period. The property is basically what we call under offer and we hold it at that for that period, usually a five-day cooling off. So what happens is within that five-day cooling off, you would do a strata search or do all your research, get your solicitor to check out the contract, make sure there's nothing untoward. And then at the end of the five days, if you pulled out of that purchase, you would lose, you would forfeit your 0.25% deposit. If at the end of the five days you're going ahead, then you have to pay the balance of the deposit, the usual 10% deposit. And that's a standard set, 10%. It is. It's usually 10%. We're seeing a lot of people now sort of ask for 5% and it's up to the vendor to accept that. 
I guess, exchange? At what point does exchange happen? And what is exchange? So exchange, so the exchange date is still the date you, that you put down your 0 0.25 okay. and, and the settlement would start from that. It's usually a six-week settlement. So it would be from that first date you signed. And then settlement is obviously the finalisation of the transaction? Yeah, so settlement is, at the, it's, as I said, it's a standard is a 42-day settlement and that's at the end where basically the property settled, the bank obviously provides the money and, yeah, it's all paid out. That's that period of deposit to settlement is where the purchaser has the time to sort out finances, exactly. get everything finalised. I've also heard a, a lot of uh, people that will do a final inspection before settlement. What does that look like and so what's that about? Final inspection is where you, you basically you, you have your final inspection. What it is is where you, you basically go through the property, make sure that everything is as it was when you saw it initially, make sure that all the light fittings are there, your floor coverings are there, that the stove hasn't gone, there's nothing missing. Um, it's not a time where you're going to go checking to see if things work because you've bought it as it is. Okay. So I guess what recourse would would, would a purchaser have in, in the event that they do an inspection and something's happened? What's the most common thing that you've seen? Well, I, I had one recently where it was a final inspection and the couple, young couple came through and, and, and they were putting the gas stove on and checking the lights. I said, listen, that's not what you do at a final inspection. You've bought it as it is. Final inspection is really to make sure that nothing's damaged there, the, the fixtures and inclusions are as per the contract, but it's not a time where you're testing the air conditioning unit to see if it works. With that sort of stuff, you need to do that prior to putting it down your deposit. Okay, so I guess it's as of the exchange date, which is the date that you've made the deposit payment, you basically take the house for, for, for that particular moment. If you needed to check anything, if things were working, that needs to be done before that's done. Exactly. The purpose of the of the final inspection is to see if anything has happened after that exchange date, damage has occurred or something that wasn't like as it was at that particular point in time. Spot on. Is that correct? Yeah, spot on. Look, and I suppose the five-day cooling off period is probably a good day where you can actually say to the agent, oh, look, can I just have another inspection? Just want to make sure the air conditioning does work, the, the stove works. And that, that, so that's, that's gives a great you tip. Five, yeah, yeah. yeah, five day cooling off. So basically, in that five day cooling off period, if you if you do have it, that's the best time to, to go through and check things out. And if there's anything exactly. that you need as part of the sale, you would negotiate it. But I would imagine in this market, that wouldn't pull much weight at the moment because no. there are so many buyers out there. Would you say that it's a seller's market and a buyer's market? And, and can you talk to me the difference between those two concepts? So at the moment, it's definitely a seller's market, yeah, 100%. Look, it's hard to say what's going to happen in the future, but we, we just can't sustain where we're at at the moment. So I guess that seller's market being that there are more buyers than there are sellers. 100%. And There's just not enough stock on the market at the moment. Yeah, and I guess that's been something that's been quite – a common story, you know, sort of post, you know, COVID last yes. year and then obviously into, into spring and then into summer, the, the market was so very, very... winter months are definitely our quietest months for stock levels okay. and this year especially is, is even harder because people are looking at selling but they're going, but I can't find anything to buy so they're, they're holding off selling. What would you say to a first home buyer in terms of when is the best time to buy? Like, I mean, in terms of the year, is there a better time to buy than others? I would say more like it's usually around springtime. Okay. Uh, we usually get more to come on the market. Yep. I, I would say towards the latter part of the year. So that's just standard business supply and demand concept yeah, there. So, that's so right. keeping that in mind. And I guess on that flip side, then you've got the buyer's market. Do you remember the last time we had a buyer's market when that was and what that looked like? Yeah, look, that would have been probably about, just thinking back, probably about three, four years ago, four or five years ago, 
we'd have properties on the market and they were really hard to move, really hard to move. And and what was making it harder? Because, I mean, if we were to use one property, uh, let's use, I mean, uh, if it was selling then and now, what what would have made it hard at that particular point that 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 that, uh, that why it's not hot now? The reason was there was a lot more on the market. Okay. So it was a lot more for buyers to choose and that's why. I guess with choice comes, the, you know, that's the, right. The, the, there's more time to think about it. Is it yeah. this one? Is it that one? It's a perfect time now to be selling like stuff that's on the main road or that stuff that would usually be very hard to move. Yeah. And, and I guess so if you're a first home buyer, I guess it's not necessarily, I mean, from my point of view, you buy when you can afford to buy ultimately. Yeah, exactly. In terms of a, that long-term view, at what point would a first home buyer realise a purchase? Because obviously there are costs associated with a purchase. At what point would a first home buyer have to be in a house to start realising some capital growth and some well, look, I mean, I, I mean, I love property. I, I just think lo- I love investing in property. So I just think, you know what, what sounds expensive today is cheap tomorrow and that's just the way it's always been. Always been. You, you, know? you can't look back at a period of time and go, oh, I bought then and now it's less than. Nah, nah. Yeah. Property market, bricks and mortar, you just won't go wrong. Are there any fundamentals that you'd say to a first home buyer in terms of what they should be looking for for their first house? Are there some, I guess, key foundations or key aspects of a property that will always make it grow or is it always, it's just a matter of... Look, I think if you're close to transport, just good location, good schools... I get this will be, I guess, a bit of a broad question, but I guess thinking back to, to you know your fifteen years experience in real estate, do you have a story that sort of sticks out in your head for uh, being a first home buyer about a, an experience or something that you you were like, oh, you know what, if I was to be talking to a first home buyer, this is this is something I'd talk to them about because there's a lot of insight from that particular story or experience. Look, I, I helped someone just recently buy, and the property was supposed to be going to auction, and I told them, look. You, you have to go in aggressive at the moment. You're not going to – if you want to buy before auction, you have to go in aggressive. And I told them, look, they were, they were quoting a certain price and I told them to go in more than 10% of their range. I said, give them a signed contract. I said, with a no cooling off, 66W, with uh, a check. And I said, just tell them the offer's on the table for today and if not, I'll pick up my check tomorrow. And it was a lot higher than what the agent was quoting and they bought it. Now they bought it and this was probably about three months ago and they can't stop thanking me because prices have gone up and they know they got a good buy. So you're just going to have to go in aggressive. Okay. And that's, yeah. the, that's, that's, the, that's I guess, uh, the context of the environment when you're looking at purchasing. Exactly. So if it's that buyer's market, you wouldn't be as aggressive. Of course. In terms of first-home buyers, is there anything else that you'd advise them? I know we mentioned finances, obviously doing the inspections, understanding the type of sale and, and what it is. Anything else that I guess we can leave them with? Their solicitor will advise them to do a strata search if it's an apartment, but they're the sort of things. As I said, finance, strata search, just do your research on the area. And do your research. Look, go in with the knowledge of, of recent sales. You know, you can just go on on the websites, have a look at recent sales in the area. You'll get a good gauge of what's selling and what the prices are. So, well, that's that's about all for me. I think at this point, thank you for your time. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. You've been listening to the Home Run, your guide for buying your first home in Australia. This podcast was produced by Lens Street. Lendstreet is a mortgage broker and home loan specialist that helps first home buyers find the right loan to meet their needs. We know applying for a loan can be overwhelming and complex, so we help guide and support first home buyers through the process from start to finish. To find out more, head to our website, lendstreet.com.au. We've also put a link in the show notes. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Home Run, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, 
please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Michael Nasser, and we'll be back next episode covering another step on the journey to owning your first home.